Welcome to EPRI Unplugged, the podcast of the Electric Power Research Institute. I'm Amy Mills. Stephen Hawking said this about artificial intelligence. Every aspect of our lives will be transformed. He went on to say it could be, quote, the biggest event in the history of our civilization. While the full extent of AI remains to be seen, it's fair to say we encounter it every day. Utilities are also discovering how to harness the power of AI. Here to give us more insight on the possibilities of AI in the utility space are Harshal Upadhyay, EPRI's Program Manager for AI, and our technical leads, Dr. Leah Bosch and Dr. Sanam Mirzazad. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having all of us here. EPRI recently launched an initiative called AI.EPRI to create a central hub for AI research. This includes collecting and curating specific data sets to help advance AI in the utility industry. Harshal, I want to start with you. Why EPRI and why now? Great question, Amy. So EPRI is globally known for our independent and collaborative research. So we have the brightest minds who are solving the biggest challenges in the electric utility industry. AI tools are being developed in various other industries to automate tasks. And what these tools are doing is are slowly coming into our industry as well. What we want to do under the AI.EPRI initiative is to enable and accelerate the development, application, and adoption of these tools in the electric power industry. So with our collaborative model, in-house subject matter expertise, and the connections that we have in the utility industry, EPRI just happens to be the right place to take on such activities. Probably the first step in this conversation is really understanding what we're talking about with AI. And Leah and Sanam, I'm going to turn to you to help us define it. The pinnacle of artificial intelligence is a machine that can mimic human behavior, but there are varying degrees therein. So how do you define what are these different areas that we're looking at? So what we're currently looking at is scientifically known as narrow AI, that those are simple learning tasks that a machine can perform right now. Um, specifically, what we're looking at is a lot of image recognition for any asset images that we come along. Um, we have language um, science coming in as natural language processing as we try to understand um, customer language, but also language that is used out in the field by our operators and field workers. We're looking into a lot of time series data for um, asset management to understand when assets will fail. What do you think is the key to understanding natural language processing versus, let's say, machine learning? So uh, natural language processing is also a subset of machine learning. But what is important about natural language processing is we are teaching the machine to understand human language. And this human language can be either in a form of voice or it can be in text. And when it comes to our industry, it becomes very important in terms of text that we have because we have a lot of reports out there that are generated in our the utilities in our field, and we should be able to somehow process all these reports and text and understand them to make many of our processes uh, automated. And that's an interesting point. Uh, we had an exercise at at one point where we were working with Watson on some nuclear documents and seeing how much of that language Watson could understand. So this is really a challenge in the jargon of the industry, right? Exactly. It's a challenge, but it really it's important for our industry because uh, 
for many industries, it's possible that they, the algorithms understand the language, understand the words. But for our industry, we have many words which are unknown for the many machine learning and NLP algorithms. And we need to be able to define this vocabulary for our uh, machine learning algorithms. So I would say that it's a greater challenge for our industry. Well, and let's talk about some of those challenges for the industry. We're seeing some utilities being proactive in this space. They've actually hired their data scientists. What do you see EPRI's role as being and working with maybe those in-house resources, but then also continuing to build and look at some of those challenges that we can maybe work on together? So I think um, one of the things we can do is provide these data scientists with data. Typically, the data of one utility is not enough to train the algorithms that we're currently looking at. And um, and also provide them with containerized codes that they can implement into their tools. So I think those are the two things that we can do from a research perspective, but also help them um, connect with their peers and provide them with SME knowledge, with subject matter expertise that we have in-house on the assets. We see a lot of disconnect between the data scientists and the engineers at the utilities, and therefore they, they often don't have the people to talk to to fully understand the scope of their the, the challenges that they are working on. And um, EPRI has that, and EPRI can also provide them with evaluation platform to make sure they're on the right path. When I want to go back to your point about having that larger set of data, I've heard you talk about this at length, that having more depth in the data that you're getting can give us greater insights. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Arnold? Absolutely. So the the data aspect of it is the key challenge for anybody um, trying to develop a machine learning model, trying to predict some outcomes. Data happens to be the key. If you want to run any learning algorithm on some certain aspect of the utility sphere, you have to have enough data. And there might be a chance, or most of the times there is a chance that you don't have enough data. So you need to collaborate with the industry um, outside of just your environment and go talk to other utilities to get the data back and hopefully have it curated. And that's where EPRI's value is, is we are already collaborative, so everybody knows us. We are a trusted resource to keep information. And then on top of it, we can actually curate that data. So we can do some uh, tasks like labeling images, things of that nature, and provide that back to the community. And when, when we say community, it might be the utility themselves. It might be the AI vendors. It might be the two-person startups. So all those folks will now have access to the data that previously they never had or the chances of them having were very slim. And going back to your question about data scientists um, with utilities hiring data scientists, one point I want to uh, emphasize on is that these are the folks who are usually not connected within the EPRI programs or to the EPRI environment. These folks, um, just the way our programs are set up, are not connected to an asset-based program, let's say a transmission program or, or a, uh, anything from generation side, because they are just outside of their environment. And what we want to do is bring them into EPRI, um, show them that there is some value here that they sitting in their offices cannot derive. And that the value is connecting to the subject matter experts, understanding the physics of 
what exactly is power flow and how it happens, things like that, because that will give them the intuition to develop the better models. So that's that's the whole idea is we want to engage that community as well. And I would imagine engaging with their peers has an added benefit as well. Absolutely, yes. So we, we can do the cross connections as well. So the subject matter experts at their utilities, respective utilities, understand the benefits of EPRI. Now we want to go and actually tap into this new set of employees that utilities are hiring and help them uh, connect and bring uh, value to the whole community. Makes sense. Well, let's talk a little bit about what utilities are currently doing. So now maybe I'll start with you on this question. How is AI being applied today? So for instance, AI is being used uh, for wind energy forecasting by some of the utilities. Uh, because, I mean, one of the problems with the en en wind energy is that it's not predictable. So utilities have uh, some difficulties of, of utilizing uh, the wind energy. Uh, or another good example of AI is to uh, for health management of different assets of, uh, of the grid. For instance, Transformer is one of these assets. And there are utilities who are using uh, artificial intelligence and some sort of data analytics to predict when the transformers are going to fail. Another good example would be how artificial intelligence is being used for energy storage. For instance, in Hawaiian Electric, they are using uh, artificial intelligence to understand uh, when the peak, uh, de peak demand happens, and they use this information in order to be able uh, to manage their grid using virtual power plants. And Leah, you've looked at this on the generation side as well. What are you seeing there? Um, what we're seeing here is a lot of predictive maintenance that is going down for our power plants where we um, under try to understand and predict when assets will fail. And um, the, the codes that we see beforehand, so the, the signatures, the, the sensor failure types, um, how they react to certain types of failures so that we can predict what failure is coming up and um, and give a timeline of trending for those failures. And let's talk about the monetary part of that because that's where there's real dollars saved, correct? If we can get these algorithms predicting oh, yeah. failures. Yes, when, we, when we're able to predict an outage weeks before it's going to happen, we can plan for an outage. So we can move it into a time zone where it's convenient for the power plant and won't cost us money. If a power plant goes down spontaneously, that can cost hundreds of thousands of dollars, um, especially if we're going down for several days. Those systems pay off within a half day, let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> That's a pretty good rate of return. <laughs> and uh, so those are, those are the ones that we see a lot in generation. Well, also some some planning for when we dispatch power plants, depending on um, demand and market pricing. Uh, I used to develop models for for that, and and or help develop the models for those. So those that that's a big point where we see more and more machine learning coming in um, instead of the old-fashioned way of hand drawing things. Well, and let's go even a little bit more into the future. What are the possibilities? What are some of the use cases that we're studying and where we think AI might go in the industry? For generation, we see that um, we need to further improve our, our asset management and performance uh, optimization for, for all assets, as for renewables, as for fossil. Um, so we're, we don't want to only be 
predictive, understanding when something will fail, but also what we can do to prevent that from happening or to uh, keep the the damage as minimal as possible. So we're looking into what's called prescriptive maintenance and more image recognition in assets inspections. We see that in the generation sector as well, flying drones around windmills or into boilers is not that far in the future anymore. And to analyze those videos, no sane person can sit through hours of videos of boiler tubes. And <laughs> therefore, <No. laughs> without missing the extra little fractures that we're looking for. I have and talked so, to the guys who do this, and it's really tedious work. It is. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so the, deploying um, image recognition for those types of apl applications is a, is a big topic for us as well. Okay. Okay. So, what about on the transmission side, Herschel? What are what applications could we possibly see there? So, computer vision is a big application. So, when I say images, that's sort of a subset of computer vision, and those applications are are plenty right now. So, we ourselves, Epri, has done a lot of work with uh, um, unmanned aerial vehicles, uh, which is drones in um, common speak, to see if we can take pictures of transmission assets and determine a few things. For example, if you're looking at transmission towers and looking at insulators, you know, what is the, the make, the model, the vintage of certain insulators, if they have some damage, if they are broken. And these things are done routinely by uh, utilities at a very high cost, as in the inspection takes uh, time and money, obviously, and then it's a visual inspection. So you, you are actually having people review either the footage or the images taken in the field. And like Leah mentioned, that's kind of painful task. But those can be definitely automated. We have some preliminary results already published. You can look up on Member Center. You'll find the right reports. But we've had success trying to identify, let's say, the failures of insulators, things of that nature. And that has great applications in the transmission world because if you have thousands of miles of transmission lines, that's a gazillion number of towers with lots of insulators. So that just happens to be one of the examples. Now, that's just images, but infrared images also can be taken for, let's say, seeking out hotspots, looking at transformer images through infrared cameras. All those aspects of computer vision are really important in in transmission side of things and also distribution as well. Just the use cases might differ a little bit. What about on the consumer side? As a utility customer, am I going to interact in any way with artificial intelligence that my provider may be deploying? Sanam, is that a good question for you? Yes, it is. Yes, uh, so there are already many tools uh, out there which are using artificial intelligence which are in direct contact with customers. For instance, I myself, I'm using a tool in my house which shows me how I'm using different devices at home and what's the energy consumption for each of these devices. But we are seeing more and more of usage of artificial intelligence for understanding our customers, their characteristics, how the characteristics of the building and etc. For instance, even um, we have a project uh, where we are looking how we can use machine learning to identify HVACs which has some, some sort of fault. It's also greatly applied in identifying some of the assets such as TVs on the customer side because it's possible that some utilities are not aware of the customers who have installed TVs 
and it's very important for these utilities to understand that, that so they can incorporate that in their um, short-term and long-term planning and operation. Well, there's a very common theme through all of this, which is data. So part of the AI.EPRI initiative is identifying some of the most valuable data sets to the industry. So I want to talk a little bit about how you identify what those are and why they're so valuable. Who wants to take that one? There's a lot of finger pointing going on in the room here. <laughs> I don't know, so we could start with you. <laughs> yes, so we discussed earlier data is critical. Now, what kind of data? How much of data? Those questions need to be answered at some point or the other. So we are starting with the 10 most valuable data sets for the industries. And we are identifying them with a collaboration, obviously, between our subject matter experts and the um, utility advisors as well. So what we are doing is presenting our initiative and at the same time expressing our interest in knowing what they think is feasible. So we want to have data sets uh, that are feasible to get first thing. We don't want to have data sets that are out there that we don't know how to even acquire. We want them to be in the utilities possession and that they can eventually share it with us through whatever terms and conditions happen to be. So there is sort of a three or four pronged approach is do we have the data? What is the value of the data? Can it be exchanged freely with um, other utilities? And, and then what's the use case? So that's the critical uh, piece of information as well, is what we've talked just a few minutes ago is all these use cases, right? So we want to make sure we get the biggest bang for the buck on at least the first 10. Eventually, it might be every 1,000. What we are trying to focus on is, is making sure that we capture the low-hanging fruit and get the most use cases out of what we plan to um, formulate as the EPRI 10. And Leah Sanam, what are you hearing from those advisors as to what that valuable data is? Um, for the generation sector, it is definitely sensor data from power plants. And um, we're looking into data over years. And it's not only power plants, it's, it's also um, renewable windmills or photovoltaic larger farms um, where we want to get as much sensor data as we can over years with potentially a lot of failures because those are the interesting parts for us is understanding what if what they what happens before an actual failure goes down so that we can predict it as early as possible and to get that we need as much data as possible we can gather on those failures and compare them with each other um, another data set is all the written words around power plants, maintenance data, every the re records of when ma maintenance happening, when maintenance is happening, what type of maintenance is going down, what caused that maintenance to happen, and then com potentially compare that with the time series data so that we can line those things up and say, okay, this was going on first, and then they did this maintenance measure. Okay. And Sanam, what are you hearing as being valuable data? Yeah, on the other side, uh, the AMI data has been recognized as probably one of the data sets in the EPRI-10. Um, this data is very valuable uh, because once we combine it probably with some 
third-party data or even some publicly available data, we can get some really useful insights about customers, their characteristics. And also, this data is useful on the transmission. And just real quick, can you define AMI data? AMI data is data that we get from advanced metering infrastructure or smart meter data. Excellent. Thank you. I didn't mean to interrupt. I just wanted to make sure we caught that. No, sure. sure. <laughs> yes. And um, so um, even we are also at FPA, we are working on some projects to understand uh, how valuable AMI data is on its own. Uh, what's the minimum viable data set? Can we, how much information we can drive from just AMI data? Uh, so uh, we we have started some projects and we will continue to work on them to see to to explore more value uh, derived from AMI data. And this may seem like a strange question, but I've had a lot of conversations with all three of you. You've certainly educated me. But do you feel like, in addition to your roles as data scientists, that you are part educator within every within the industry, far and wide? carrying the message of AI, how well-versed do you think people are with this subject? For the most part, they've all heard it, but oftentimes they can't differentiate the different wordings that float around, if it's deep learning or machine learning and natural language processing and how that all connects. And uh, what is advertisement speak, marketing speak, and what is math? <laughs> differentiating between those is important and I think as every because we we have no affiliation with any companies we can take the liberty of educating on that and differentiating and making sure our members um, can make educated decisions when they purchase or pursue uh, a machine learning project and I think I've done a lot of presentations around that even before the AI initiative, uh, doing educations on on those simple topics, if that's data curation or what is pattern recognition, topics like that come up every once in a while. And I think that's important. And the feedback I've gotten so far is always positive. People are happy that they finally get the answers and they don't feel stupid asking them. That's always important. <laughs> so, Nam, what about you? What has your experience been? Uh, yeah, I agree with Leah. And besides, not even in our industry, even in the uh, AI community, um, there are many terms, and these terms are sometimes being confused with each other. So, I feel like uh, there are a lot of misunderstanding in different co communities, and it's very important for us to make sure that. Uh, uh, all of, we understand what each term exactly means, where we can apply one technology and where we cannot use it. For instance, there are a lot of work going on uh, in terms of text processing, and many people characterize that as natural language process, processing, which is not really natural language processing. It can be, very, it can be done using very simple uh, algorithms or simple analytics. So um, it's, it, it's very important that we can educate people on what each of these terms mean, what and they can use it appropriately for different use cases. Harshal, did you want to add anything? One thing I find interesting is sometimes we have to be the bearer of the bad news that 
this what you are doing actually is not AI or not machine learning, but just a visualization or or something to that effect. You have to gently let them know what the other definitions are so that they can fit their project into different buckets without saying that's what it is or what not. So let them do the understanding of what they are doing because that's the projects. You don't want to make them sound um, trivial or anything like that. But at the same time, that's, that is a drawback in this role is that you might have to say some things that uh, might not sit well with the audience. We've touched on vendors, we've mentioned vendors, but I'm curious as we're connecting with that community, what are some of the technologies that are maybe up and coming that utilities might be able to, or might be interested in at some point? I think due to a lack of data, we're currently not really able to um, leverage deep learning algorithms in our industry. Um, so I hope that with collecting larger data sets, we will be able to use that and maybe other learning techniques that are like transfer learning that require an initial big data set and then um, we can retrain them for for um, uh, the utility, the specific uses in the utility in that way we can see, uh, we can see more usage of machine learning in this space. Right now a lot of stuff is still rules based and um, deploying that. We're looking into digital wounds for, for um, generating assets and removing some of the physics-based modeling in those by using machine learning. Salam. So uh, one more thing that I want to add is that since uh, many of the data that we are dealing with are require some kind of security and privacy, and I, I think in the near future probably federated learning will be very important for our industry meaning that we can uh, just use, define some algorithms which doesn't need data to be all centered in one place. So we can use uh, data from different utilities, but on their own servers without having all these data gathered at some point. And probably in the near future, this will be something that many of uh, many stakeholders in the industry we need to think about it. Well, there are certainly lots of things to be thinking about. Harshal, I'm going to wrap it up with this question. What is the one thought you would like to leave listeners with when contemplating the future of AI? Just one thought. I'm giving him the hardest question. I would say consider AI as a tool towards automating your tasks, especially where you need to make decisions. And you eventually the technology is going to grow. Like Leah mentioned at the very start, is this is very narrow artificial intelligence. It's probably going to be, uh, as we go ahead, it's going to layer tasks upon tasks upon tasks to do complicated activities, the whole uh, AI space. And this is obviously going to affect us as, uh, as EPRI, as users of this technology, and we as the users of the technology need to be aware of what is going on. We don't want to be sheep just following something that is being done in the industry. You, you sort of have to have the basic understanding so that the next time you want to use that, uh, that tool, you know what it is doing. So you want to make sure that you're using the right tool because the, the tools are going to be 
commoditized. Everything that we uh, touch today already uses AI. So there is no question that it's a upcoming technology. It's already there. We have three phones at least over here that have AI technology on them, some sort of machine learning on them. So it's it's here. We are we are already living it. We just need to now be aware and then learn more about it and hopefully be more knowledgeable. This team is working diligently on a series of white papers on artificial intelligence in the electric power industry. So you can find those papers as they're released on our website at ai.fpre.com, along with more information on the data sets and use cases that we've discussed. And of course, you can follow EPRI on social media for updates as well. Harshal, Leah, Sanam, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for having us. Until next time, we're shaping the future of electricity.